It is Tuesday, August 1st. I'm Scott Seidenberg. And I'm AJ Hoffman. It's MLB trade deadline day. And some NFL injuries to discuss. Here comes the Vegas truth. This is straight out of Vegas. We are straight out of Vegas AM, your daily destination for sports conversation with a Vegas lean. Here's what you need to know to start your day. Today is MLB's trade deadline. Who's making the last second move? That's going to be the Vegas lead. 6 p.m. Eastern time tonight is the trade deadline in Major League Baseball. We had some trades go down yesterday, and let's just get you caught up on everything you might have missed yesterday. The Reds add some bullpen help, getting Sam Mole from the Oakland A's, as the A's just have nothing to play for but the future, and we'll welcome them to Vegas when the time is right, but for now. Not today. Not today. Uh, The Cubs made a big splash, getting infielder Jamier Candelario from the Nationals. He is a nice-hitting third baseman, uh, switch-hitting, power-hitting third baseman that is definitely going to help in their quest for the NL Central. On yesterday's show, I said Cubs at 5-1 to was the value to me in the NL Central. They acquired Candelario. They did lose against the Reds last night. But, McKenzie, where do we sit right now in the Chicago Cubs to win the National League Central? You got some value. They're plus 450. Plus 450. Okay, so the 5-1 to one's gone. 450 is there. They still have the highest run differential in all of that division at plus 56 runs. It's not even close. The next highest is the Reds at plus 4 runs. They're five games out of the division after losing to the Reds. But... With a couple of games now against Cincinnati here for the rest of this week, that five can become four, can become three, can become two. Yeah, and I was from everything I read, Candelario, with the exception of Cody Bellinger, who mm-hmm. they just said is not going to be traded, and he's on the Cubs anyway, uh, not going to be traded. Then they said the two guys in St. Louis who they don't, the corner infielders for St. Louis, and Arenado, yep. who they don't think will be traded, mm-hmm. Candelario was the best available bat yep. at the trade Absolutely. deadline. So that's a, a good get for the Cubs, and l- like we said, have come kind of from the ashes. Looked like they were just mm-hmm. dead and buried. Well, everyone thought they were going to be sellers, and now it's clear that they're not. They're right in the mix here. They are buyers. I still think they need bullpen help, so you got to look at some bad teams like Colorado's got a couple of relievers that could be dealt, someone like Brad Hand. Uh, you look at maybe the Tigers could deal some relievers, so I definitely think that Chicago's not done making moves just yet. Elsewhere, the Mariners appear to you know be uh, like like soft sell mode. It's weird, right? It's 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 not like a total like give up on the season, but kind of feels like it is though. It feels like they're punting here, it, 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 and it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I don't know if they're punting. They're not going for it. They're not going for it on fourth down. But you know, maybe they're like uh, they're pooching. Maybe they're pooch. They're pooch. They're gonna line up in the shotgun. The, the defense is gonna think they're going for it, but then when the quarterback takes the snap, he's just gonna do a little pooch punt. Right over the defense's head. John Elliott was great at that. Absolutely. So the 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 Mariners trade AJ Pollock to the San Francisco Giants, and the Giants get some outfield depth. Not only that, the the Mariners traded Paul Seawald, their closer, mm-hmm. to the Diamondbacks. Diamondbacks still trying to to hang around in this race. It just feels weird that the the Mariners who are in the thick of things, like they're right there behind the, the yeah. Angels, are saying, nah, "Not today. We're we're out of this thing." It just feels like a, it feels like a weird move. 
Uh, speaking of outfield depth, Mark Canna goes from the Mets to the Milwaukee Brewers, the latest in uh, players to be dealt from the New York Mets. And we don't know. If... But the Mets aren't there. They're, they're not in sell mode. <laughs> this isn't a fire sale. We're not yeah. getting rid of everybody. Now, we don't know if the Mets are done just yet. Uh, but the biggest name that's still available on the market is playing for the New York Mets currently, and that is Justin Verlander. We'll talk about him in just a minute. Also, yesterday, the Rays get Aaron Savale from the Guardians. That is a big addition to their starting rotation. Another team who seems like they're in it mm-hmm. and saying, nah, we're good. The, the Guardians well, aren't – I mean, it's not like they're – a a real threat to win the, the World thing Series, is, but the Guardians need bats, and they get back Kyle Manzardo, who is one of the top prospects sure. in baseball. He, they've already announced he's their starting first baseman, like of the future. So he's gonna, he's, he, it's his job next year. It's his job moving forward. It might be his job for the rest of this season. Uh, right now, you know, you got Naylor, you got Bell, um, but this kid is gonna be a big part of their future. The Rays, obviously, with, you know, they have so many prospects, they were able to part ways with him. They needed starting pitching. So uh, that was a big addition for the Rays getting Savali from the Guardians. Okay, let's talk about Justin Verlander here. He is the biggest name still available on the market. Sure, there could be starters dealt. There could be depth players dealt. I mean, there's a lot of nice players that could help teams that are in playoff pushes. Uh, Jack Flaherty of the Cardinals could still be on the move, right? Um, you can look at, uh, I, I don't know, you know, the Mets could still deal Tommy Pham. You know, like, like there's other players that could be dealt, but Justin Verlander is the marquee name. And two of the top teams in baseball are the ones that are gunning for him. The Houston Astros and the Dodgers. The latest reports as of last night were that the Dodgers were engaged in talks with the Mets for Justin Verlander. Verlander has a full no-trade clause. He gets to dictate who he goes to. The Astros have accelerated their talks with the Mets as of last night. Probably because things are heating up between the Mets and the Dodgers, maybe they're hearing. So the Astros trying to step it up. Now, the Astros would certainly be keeping pace with the Rangers, right? The Rangers get Max Scherzer from the Mets, and they're saying, hey, well, let's get Verlander. And now you have Verlander and Scherzer, two of the guys that were, you know, big price guys for the yeah. Mets that are pitching against each other in that AL West race. But the Dodgers were believed to be the front runners. The Astros now stepping up their game. I personally think that because of Verlander's no trade, he winds up with the Astros. I think he would rather pitch back in Houston then go to L.A., A.J. I think so, too. I think if he wanted to go to L.A., he'd already be in L.A. Because here's what we know about the Dodgers. The Dodgers have a lot more prospects to offer the Mets than do the Astros. And the Dodgers have a lot bigger uh, budget to to take on Verlander money. Verlander's getting Astros paid $43.3 million this year, $43.3 next year, and a $35 million vesting option in 2025. If he pitches 140 innings. And I think that is what a lot of teams are afraid of is he pitches enough innings next year. He plays that third year as a 42 year old. Yeah. And you're uh, paying him $35 million. Yeah. So that's, that gets to be pretty scary. So in my thought, my thought was if, if Justin Verlander wanted to play for the Mets he'd, or for the Dodgers, he'd be there right now. Uh, because I'm guessing the Dodgers have offered something stronger than the Astros have. 
But we go back to this last offseason when Justin Verlander was choosing between the uh, the Mets and the Dodgers, and he chose the Mets. He's, he said that his family wanted to be in New York. He, you know, he's got a young kid now. I, I don't know if that was like low-key a, a shot at L.A., mm-hmm. but he made it clear that this is where his family wanted to be. So it is, uh, it, it is a little bit telling, I think, that he this move hasn't been made because – all the chips are in the Dodgers side of the table. Yep. It's, it's just a matter of if Justin Verlander wants to waive anything to go there. Around 8.30 Eastern time last night, SNY reported uh, Andy Martino, who covers the Mets for SNY, said, quote, no Justin Verlander trade is close. If Houston gets aggressive on it, could be a fit. So obviously, there, I think the Mets are waiting for Houston to be more aggressive and maybe offer more or take on more money. It's funny, the Mets like sent 30-something million dollars to the Rangers for in the Max Scherzer deal. Yeah. And they still wound up saving money. That's crazy. <laughs> in the long run. So if, if if they have to send money to the Astros a Verlander deal or whatnot, maybe that's what they're trying to work out. Mackenzie, what's the current odds right now on both the Dodgers and the Astros? This is obviously pre any Verlander trade. We're talking World Series? Yes. The Dodgers are the second favorite, only behind the Braves. They're five to one. The Astros are fourth favorite. They're eight to one. So eight to one for the Astros, five to one for the Dodgers, and what are the Braves? Braves are the favorite; they're plus three thirty. So three thirty consensus. Okay, I think if Verlander goes to the Dodgers, the Dodgers creep really close to the Braves. I think they're almost co-favorites, and I would say the Braves maybe at maybe the Braves go have an increase, and the, like the Dodge, they'll meet in the middle somewhere. So I think the the Dodgers will go from. Five to one to four to one, and maybe the Braves tick up to like 350, 375. That's what I think will happen. If he goes to the Astros, I think the Astros take a big leap. What's the Texas Rangers right now? The Texas Rangers are right behind the Astros. They're plus 850. But the Rangers are favored in the division over the Astros, right? Not anymore. Oh. That changed as of today. Houston minus 110 are the favorites. Rangers plus 120. All right, so that makes sense then. So I I would say they'd be right around even with each other. I think Verlander moves the needle a little bit more for the Astros. Only because we... He knows how to cheat. Well, yeah. (laughs) But we know what to expect from him in Houston, right? We've seen it. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's a place he's comfortable pitching. He's had success there, yeah. Have we... uh, I don't know what to expect from Justin Verlander in the National League West. I don't know what to expect from him pitching for the Dodgers in Chavez Ravine in that sunlight. You know, <laughs> I don't know about pitching against the Giants and the Diamondbacks and the Padres who are fighting. I know about him pitching against the Rangers. Yeah. I know about him pitching against the Mariners. And I know about him pitching against the Angels. I certainly know about him pitching against the Yankees or, or, <laughs> yeah. or the Rays. Or, he's, yeah. he's had some postseason yeah. success. Yeah. So I think he moves the needle. I, I wouldn't be surprised if those odds go from eight to one to like six to one if I, Verlander signs there. I wouldn't be shocked either. Uh, another name that I heard kicked around yesterday, and I heard him actually linked to the Baltimore Orioles, which I was a little surprised at. Blake Snell, do we think he's on the move from San Diego? Right now, what I was reading last night is that the Padres are are still going for it. Like the Padres still believe that, you know, they're four and a half games out of a wild card spot. They're still alive, or you know, the four games out. Whatever, they're still alive. In the at wild some point, race. I guess, like you've you've paid so much for this that you, like 
it's hard to admit we don't have a chance. Like, and I give the Mets a little credit because they've done it. The Mets, mm-hmm. Mets, and pa- Mets, Padres, and Yankees—all three of them—some of the highest payrolls in baseball. The Mets have decided, and I, the Yankees are in a little better position than those two teams. They're at least above five hundred. But the Mets said, "Enough. We're not. We're not doing this." Why do they get credit for that? Why is that good? Uh, just because they're they're at least willing to do a bit of a rebuild. Like they're not so stubborn that they think it'll just fix itself. We've got expensive players. They'll get better. I I don't think they were getting any better. Like sure. it, they're not going to make the playoffs. That's what I'm saying. Like so, why be stubborn? It feels I mean, like maybe that's what the Padres. The reason are I was doing. pushing back is because it's just money. Like I don't care if Stephen Cohen spends a billion or five hundred million. It, I don't care. Doesn't matter. Yeah. But I mean, if you're getting at prospects, then it's a different equation. Yeah, certainly. That's that's the big difference. But for the Padres. It feels like they're still fighting the good fight, but it doesn't seem like it's a fight that they can win, in yeah. my opinion. Well, that's that's what I'm hearing from what's going on in San Diego, that they're not sellers right now. They still think that they have a shot. Um, Soto's a guy who people are talking about being on the market, but I think that the Padres still believe that they have a shot, that they have a chance to go out there and make the playoffs. The- um the quietest deadline. Soto, by the way, made one of the most like boneheaded plays in in left field last night. He was, never does that. It was like, <laughs> it was like a little league attempt at trying to catch a fly ball. Like he, maybe he lost it in the lights, kind of like ducked away from it. The ball rolled by him. It was kind of pathetic. We, uh, my son and I rewatched Game Six of the 2011 World Series, Rangers Cardinals, mm-hmm. and that's the game where David Freeze would. There was down to the last strike yeah. of the World Series, and David Freeze hits a triple that. I'm telling you, if you say, how could Nelson Cruz have mm-hmm. played that ball any worse? You can't find a way for him to play it worse. And it literally lost in the World Series. Just unbelievable stuff. Soto hey, by war work. has lost a half a game for the Padres, 0. 0.6 to be exact by defensive war. Otani, the greatest player of all time, has lost a full game on defensive war. Well, he hardly plays defense. That's surprising. I guess it's pitching defense. Those, gra- those ground balls straight back <laughs> maybe, to the mound. Maybe so. <laughs> So yeah, that is surprising. The, <laughs> the quietest deadline numbers, by the way, so far has been the New York Yankees, and I I feel like last week you had some optimism that the Yankees were going to make a push, like you mm-hmm. thought they they could be involved in a big splash trade. Where are you at with that now? Are you expecting the Yankees to to stand pat, or do you think the Yankees still have a move left in them? I don't know who they could possibly get that would help them. If and, we're being honest, like they're not they're not getting Verlander, right? They're, they're, they they could make I, – I thought that the Cardinals would be a good partner for them. Uh, I thought Candelario was a guy that they could get. If they try with the Cardinals, which they have history. Remember, they made the Jordan Montgomery move. They made the uh, Harrison Bader, you know, that, that trade or whatever. I think if the Cardinals are involved, it could be, you know, like, like Dylan Carlson and Jack Flaherty. That could be a combo that can come back for the Yankees. They get outfield help, and they get a starting pitcher that helps them. But right now, the Yankees are a little bit of an embarrassment. I mean, Domingo Herman was scratched from his start last night this because is crazy. he had, like, pain in his side, like his armpit or whatever. And so Johnny Brito gets the start for the Yankees against the Rays. He gets tattooed for, what, do you about five runs in two innings? Yeah. Or four innings, whatever? Five to one, was, and then they yeah. say— but then Domingo Herman came in from the bullpen. What? I thought you were too hurt to pitch today. And he threw five scoreless innings. Yeah, like, very strange. Do you think if Domingo Herman started the game and and threw five scoreless innings, maybe it would be a, a, a different scenario for the Yankees? It's hard it's to amazing. imagine it wouldn't be. They're, they're in last place in the division. They are 10 games out of the division. 
but they are only three and a half out of a wild card spot. How many teams are between them and that wild card spot, though, is the question. Just two. The Angels, Just the Angels and, and the, the Red Astros? Sox. The Angels and the Red Sox. Oh, okay. Astros are already a wild card. Okay, team. okay. Yeah, it, it feels like the Yankees need to do something. Like they, It's always that, that term, uh, bleep or get off the pot. Mm-hmm. Either buy or sell. It feels like just holding holding Pat is not going to work for the Yankees. The Yankees, as they're currently constructed, probably aren't good enough to be a playoff team. They need to make something happen or just say, you know what, it's not happening this year, and let's try and start building for the future a little bit more. Yeah, I, I, would, I would be surprised if they did not make a move here today. That's I, I'd, I'd just be shocked. It would certainly look bad on, on Brian Cashman. For somebody that's always, you know, I, I imagine them selling and not acquiring anybody and just trading away, you know, because there, there were reports that the Yankees are listening to offers for Isaiah Kiner for Leffa, listening to offers for Wandy Peralta out of the bullpen, listening to offers for Luis Severino. I mean, good, pack him yeah, out. Pack him send up. him out of town. Maybe not after this start, but... If the Yankees are sellers and not buyers, I don't know how that goes over in the I, Bronx. I don't know why they're not, to be honest. And I know I'm not a New Yorker, so mm-hmm. I, I don't have the uh, – I'm not as involved as, as you would be. But to me, like, do you really think the Yankees have a chance to win the World Series this year? No, they're not as good as, they're not as, good as the – but the thing is – Like, think about – let's just say you get to a World Series mm-hmm. miraculously. Yeah. Who are the first three arms you're throwing out there against the Atlanta Braves? It's Garrett Cole. Okay, awesome. Carlos Rodon and Nestor Cortez. You feel good about that? On paper? Why wouldn't yeah. you? You're in the World Series. Yeah. I, yeah well, good yeah. job, man. I mean, I mean, you want to win the World Series, I mean, obviously. Like, that's Yankees the don't, they nice. don't, they don't count runner-up titles in New York. I, I mean, that's the thing. Like, you know, Cortez has been on the I.L. forever. Uh, Trevino has been on the I.L. forever. Donaldson been on the I.L. Judge just came back from the I.L. Like, this is a team that has just hasn't been healthy. But you know what? Stanton hasn't been hurt that much this year. Stanton stinks. Well, well, Stanton 198. <laughs> but if he were hurt, people would say, Stanton's been hurt. Well, that's the thing. He's, he's exposed by playing too many games. <laughs> you know, he's, he's, he's Big played, mistake. He's played 56 games already this year. Yeah. What the hell's he doing? He's exhausted. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know where the Yankees are at. I don't, I, like, the, to me, the Yankees are the story of today. Like, If they don't do anything, I think it's a massive mistake. If they buy... Good for them. Like make a make a run for it. But if they don't buy, they should sell. They should try to get out from some of these 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 players who just aren't living up to expectations. Yeah, I think uh, don't be surprised if the Cardinals are and the Yankees are in fact the 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 dance partner here, and they send a Jack Flaherty, so you get a starting pitcher, and you get Dylan Carlson, you get outfield help as well, and gives the Yankees a little bit more depth in the outfield, gives them a nice arm in the starting rotation, and we'll see where they go from there in the second half of the season. The other team that I've heard uh, I've, I've heard tell they're going to be buyers but haven't done anything yet, San Francisco Giants. Like, well, they got uh, A.J. Pollock. Oh, that's true. Yeah, so, I, I guess I didn't give him credit for that. But, yeah. I mean, look, he's not a huge splash, but he helps. It's something. It, it's, of course it's something. Uh, let's take a look at how these teams, uh, you know, hey, these trades could impact teams, could impact lineups here. On deadline day, again, 6 o'clock Eastern time is the deadline tonight, Major League Baseball trade deadline. Here's the schedule. Phillies are at the Marlins. Sandy Alcantara on the mound for the Marlins. Ranger Suarez for Philadelphia. Miami, a minus 140 favorite at home 
over the Phillies here with Alcantara against Suarez. The Brewers will send Freddie Peralta to the mound in D.C. against the Nationals. Josiah Gray on the mound for the Nats. And it's hard. The Nationals won yesterday, right? Joey Manessis had a big day. But it's kind of hard to uh, to to like the Nationals now without Jamie or Candelario. So uh, you, know, you take away a huge bat from their lineup, and it's it's hard to like them in, in a lot of games. Uh, you have the Rays and the Yankees. We'll do it again. Carlos Rodon gets a start for the Yankees. Zach Eflin for Tampa. And that's an even spread with Rodon against Eflin. Tigers are at the Pirates. Matt Manning for Detroit. Johan Oviedo for Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's minus 120 at home. Toronto, a minus 120 favorite over the Orioles. Kyle Bradish gets the start for Baltimore. The Orioles bucked the Sunday night fade last night, winning 4-2 to in Toronto. Me. They got me, too, and the Blue Jays had chances. They had two runners on with one out in the eighth inning. Yannier Cano gave up a home run to Merrifield. He walked two guys. They said, enough. (laughs) They brought in Felix Bautista for a five-out save. You got to wonder, though, is Bautista now available tonight? My guess out of the is bullpen. No. My guess is And no. so the Blue Jays are favored probably because of that. And also, welcome back Hun Jin Ryu. Hun Jin Ryu making his first start since June 1st of 2022. So welcome back Hun Jin Ryu. Over a year, and we're paying minus 120 for him, huh? Yep. No, thanks. Welcome back, Hunjin Ryu. The Angels are at the Braves. Patrick Sandoval goes for L.A. Spencer Strider for Atlanta. Atlanta is minus 250. McKenzie, can you give me the updated Cy Young Award odds in the National League? Strider, you know, after Gallon wasn't that great in his last start. Strider's got a real opportunity here tonight to separate himself. We got a new favorite. At least a co-favorite. Blake Snell's plus 270. Say. Gallon is plus 270. Strider slipped to 3-1. to one. Blake Boy, Snell if only leads somebody, the league in ERA. If only somebody gave out Blake Snell, like, what, a month ago? Yeah. If only gave out, somebody gave out both Zach Gallon and Blake Snell, so not only diversified. Oh, your portfolio is incredible. Amazing. If, yeah. <laughs> if only. Man, if only. What are people doing? Uh, anyway. You have the Twins at the Cardinals. Oh, Atlanta's minus 250 in that start, by the way. Twins at the Cardinals. Pablo Lopez on the mound for the Twins. Miles Michaelis for the Cardinals. White Sox at the Rangers. Andrew Haney gets the start for the Rangers, who are minus 250. Jesse Schlotens, made-up guy, gets the start for Chicago. Reds are at the Cubs. Ben Lively for Cincinnati. Justin Steele for the Cubs. Where's Steele in the National League Cy Young Awards? He's got to be right behind Snell, I believe, as the maybe the fourth or fifth favorite. The sixth favorite, 18-1. to 1. Which is crazy. The guy's 11-3 and three with a 2.87 ERA this season. Yeah, why aren't the odds just the ERA board, like maybe with some, like, Little adjustments for games yeah. or, like, Strength of schedule should be pretty close. Right? I, oh, I mean, I think the voters are always going to like the guys who get a lot of strikeouts. Yeah, and voters are going to yeah, like Strider's guys. that guy. Yeah, he's like fifteenth in ERAs. Okay, and yeah. voters are going to like guys who play on good teams, which Strider obviously fits that profile. Well, Justin Steele, a win for Justin Steele and the Cubs can, can help them get right back yeah. in the division race. Absolutely. Cubs minus one sixty five. Guardians at the Astros. Framber Valdez, who at one point was the favorite in the American League for the Cy Young, not anymore, and got lit up like yep. this. he got made the favorite and then yeah. promptly got lit. 
it up. Houston, it's like uh, it's like the curse of being like the number one in college basketball. Don't like want as that. soon as you're the number one seed, then you lose like the next game. Uh, Framber Valdez is a minus one ninety favorite. Gavin Williams going for the Guardians. I want to ask you about the Guardians, and I thought about pulling the trigger on the Astros last night after the Guardians made that trade. It feels like trading Savali for a first baseman of the mm-hmm. future. That's the um, the message to the locker room is this ain't our year. Like it, it'll be maybe we'll be a little closer to it next year, but I feel like that's a tough message to send a team that's one game out of the, exactly. the division. I, I don't I don't think I like the Guardians for the rest of the season. I, I feel like this is just a, a real kick in the balls to a team that felt like they were maybe in the running for this, and then mm-hmm. you trade away one of their top arms. Just an odd move, in my opinion. Unless they feel like their young arms are the, are ready to step up. Maybe that's the way that, you know, Tito Francona is going to have to sell it. Uh, Jose Quintana gets the start for the Mets. Zach Greinke goes for the Royals. Mets are minus 155. Uh, Royals are on a three-game winning streak. For the first time all season. What do we make of this, Scott? Do you like? Do you, are I, we listen, baiting I, with both hands? Yeah, I'm just going to keep betting against them. I mean, I've gotten burned two games in a row, but at some point they're going to lose a game. Well, uh, I would imagine, and yes, they, at some point they will. They stink. And, and uh, Zach Grinky with his 1-11 record, he is pretty good at that. I would hope so, just like Jordan Lyles was, was pretty good <laughs> at, it, at it also. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, maybe the Mets uh, have rally around the trade deadline, you know, rally around each other. Uh, certainly the lineup, you know, will, will be interesting to see if anybody else is out. But Pete Alonso kind of stepped up lately. Mets are five games under 500. They certainly want to finish the season with a little bit of pride here. Yeah, the Royals just stink. But, hey, for the first time all season, they have won three straight games. But you know what? The Mets may be in the same boat as the Guardians, yeah. a team who's looking around going, what are we doing here? Yeah, Do we everyone, everyone's gone. Uh, Padres are at the Rockies, and it's going to be uh, Peter Lambert on the mound for the Rockies. Not sure what the Padres are going to do with their starting situation just yet. Red Sox will send Brian Bello to the mound in Seattle. Bryce Miller for the Mariners. The Mariners are minus 120. Diamondbacks at the Giants. It's Zach Gallen day, but it's on the road. Zach Gallen and the Diamondbacks minus 115. Giants will counter with Alex Cobb. And the A's are at the Dodgers. Ken Waldachuk gets the start for the A's. Lance Lynn making his Dodgers debut. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. How's your social battery right now, AJ? I know sometimes I get drained, and it could be easy to ignore your social battery and just spread yourself too thin, you know, especially when it comes to social gatherings and maybe just things you're not in the mood for. Well, do you know the right amount of socializing you need to do to keep yourself balanced? Therapy can give you that self-awareness, and you can build basically your routine that reflects what you need personally. Everybody's different in this way. That was a big driver for me when I was in therapy. I got a lot out of it, and it's so easy here. Give BetterHelp a try if you've said, I don't want to go out of my way to do this. It's all online. It's as convenient as can be, and it's suited to you. It's simple. Just fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch at any time for no additional charge. Find your social sweet spot with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Vegas today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Vegas. AJ, it's important to me that the supplements that I take every single day are of the highest quality. And that's why ever since they jumped the board as a sponsor with us, 
I've been drinking AG1 because for AG1, quality isn't just a buzzword. AG1's ingredients are heavily researched for efficacy and quality, and I love that every scoop has prebiotics, probiotics, digestive enzymes for my gut support, B vitamins for energy. It's got the magnesium and ashwagandha for stress support, also testosterone support, vitamin C and zinc to support my immune system. I don't get sick anymore. Well, you're welcome for introducing you to AG1. Yeah, but uh, I mean, this stuff is incredible. And so many people have asked me, are you just reading commercials? No, man. AG1 is actually legit. And there's a reason why I drink it every single day. It just makes taking care of my health so much easier in general. So if you want to replace your multivitamin and more, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 plus K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first subscription at drinkag1.com slash SOV. That's drinkag1.com slash SOV. Check it out. Just a couple of days away from the start of the NFL preseason with the Hall of Fame game between the Jets and the Browns. But we go around training camps and bring you the latest each and every morning. And let's talk about what happened yesterday with the Indianapolis Colts. And no, I am not referring to Jonathan Taylor, but I am referring to their running back room. This matters to Jonathan Taylor. It does matter. Zach Moss suffered a broken arm in practice yesterday. He is out four to six weeks no confirmation that Jonathan Taylor put out a bounty on him, though. I, I haven't heard that either. But this is this puts the Colts in a weird spot and gives to me it gives Jonathan Taylor a little bit of leverage. Although I I, I don't know how much the the depth chart behind Taylor and Zach Moss, Evan Hull, a fifth round uh, rookie, and Jake Funk, who I'm pretty sure is a made up person. So a, a fifth round rookie from Northwestern and a made-up person, this can't be a good situation for the Indianapolis Colts. They can't feel good about starting the season like this. But it also now, I think, it's it's bad for Jonathan Taylor's trade request, right? Yeah, they can't be excited to trade him. How do you trade him? You don't have a running back. Now, here's – do we have Dalvin Cook's name come back up here? I know he visited with the Jets last weekend, apparently left without a contract – Dalvin Cook probably looking at this situation going, man, I can get some carries here. I think he's going to join the Jets. Like the press reports, like I'm probably going to join the Jets. The odds are good. Wink, wink. I feel like it's just uh, paperwork. The whole I would dream minus, team thing. Minus 200, Cook is a Jet. Why, why, why haven't they done it? Like, don't you want to get this guy in? I don't know. What about Ezekiel Elliott? Another free agent? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Zeke Free Elliott's hunt. a little bit scarier because Zeke Elliott was not good last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, Dalvin Cook didn't, he wasn't, Dalvin Cook-esque last year, but he he wasn't a negative player. I think Zeke Elliott was a negative player when he was on the field for the Cowboys, especially when you compare his production no to, to Pollard. No he scored like 13 touchdowns. He was a short yardage back. He's going to have he less yards per carry. He couldn't run for long He wasn't carries. great, but to say that he was a negative is just, is just crazy to me. Emmitt Smith said he was the most important Cowboy, and maybe that's a relationship thing last year at the end of the year. I don't think it was true, but I think he was above he was above a zero. Okay. They, if they could have cut him week one or kept him, I think they did much better keeping him. I mean, he scored a bunch of touchdowns. That stuff matters. I know it doesn't matter as much as the fantasy people care about it, but it matters. All right, give me the veteran running back that the Colts are going to sign this week. I don't think this changes uh, Taylor's situation at all. I don't think it's good for him or bad for him. I just don't – I cannot see him playing uh, the way this relationship has been portrayed. The comments that were made Sunday night immediately after Saturday night, immediately after their hour-long private conversation um, – 
both by Taylor's people and especially by Ursa. He seemed irked and he seemed like he just had a, uh, I mean, he wished him death almost. You know, he said, I don't know when will care if you die. No, I cannot imagine. And he said, he oh, no one will care if I die either. I get that. He didn't say Taylor died. He said, if Taylor retires and I die. That's okay. what it was. All right. I might have misheard yeah. that. It was, it was very close together. Uh, but he can say that because he's going to get 10% of an $8 billion organization every year for the rest of his life. Uh, it doesn't matter to him. And I feel like I, I could not imagine uh, who's that guy uh, on ESPN? Swagoo? What's his name? I know his name is Swagoo, but what's his actual name? That guy. He's like, I wouldn't play for him either. It was, it was reprehensible. Marcus Spears, you're right, talking about. That's the guy. Yeah. Uh, who, who's, what, like, where's a good landing spot for him? Who could trade for him? And what well, would you, you get back in return? Are the Colts willing to trade him? I don't him? think they're going to trade him. Like, this is a weird thing. So he just sits out the whole year? I think it's going to be lawyers involved. I, 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 I think McKenzie, and I wish you would have been here uh, yesterday morning. I was, but I heard the first 20 seconds of uh, your comments about how the owners and the market deals, and I was just like, all right, I'm going home. <laughs> you got mad at us? You didn't want to participate? Uh, the, I wasn't prepared for the debate, I guess. Well, I, I think my thought is this. Jonathan Taylor, if, you're, if anybody deserves to get paid at running back, it's Jonathan Taylor. Maybe the most important guy, especially to this team, seems vastly important. And... I just it feels like his agent it's it's a bad time for him to say I either want more money or I want to get traded and I, I think Jim Ursay also if Jim Ursay doesn't have to talk like if he doesn't come out saying what he said about the running backs like do you think Jonathan Taylor comes out and says I'm looking for a trade like it, it it's it's all it's such oh, it's a mess yeah. like it like Jim Ursay cannot get out of his own way and he's really put his team into this awkward situation. And now, if he wants to get them out of it, I, I don't I don't know what like is is Jonathan Taylor really even willing to accept more money from the Colts? Yeah, I think he was a week ago. I don't know sure. if he is now. Now I don't think he is. Yeah. And and Would if my guess if the, you you mentioned lawyers, I mean a lot of money. And if this non football injury list designation happens, cannot happen. All hell breaks loose, in my opinion. It can't happen. He just says my back isn't hurt. End of story. Yeah. I, I get to decide that. Back pain is very difficult to diagnose from the best doctors. Some team doctors said, oh, he said something about his back, and now he's going to put him on an injury list that cost him $4 million. I'll eat my hat if that even <laughs> – you know if what? I even try it. You and I don't think it would work you if know they what's did. crazy? McKenzie is wearing a big cowboy hat yeah. right now, just so you guys <laughs> know. You know what's wild? Like, on April 19th, April 19th of this year, mm -hmm. Jonathan Taylor spoke to reporters – said that he's not stressing a contract extension. Quote, it wouldn't be a distraction to me. I'm under contract here for four years. I put the pen to the paper, so that's where I'm at right now. I have an obligation to them and an obligation to me, but things will happen naturally. The Athletic did a great breakdown of all these quotes in a row, and he changed his tone a lot, exactly like you mentioned. So did Chris Ballard when they said, uh, can we pay running backs right after the season? He was like, of course, special player like that, Hall of Fame player. In his comments in July leading up to it, uh, it was more like, you know, it's a market. We're trying as hard as we can. You know, every, every player is worth something, not worth the most. It was very uh, – something happened with the introduction of the coach and just the thinking of maybe we should, maybe we should re revamp this thing. I, I think it's also just sort of the, the generic marketplace vibe that running backs aren't worth what they were a couple years ago. And Jim Ursay doesn't want to be like – But that didn't change since February. That is collusion. That is the definition I, of collusion. Like, I, hey, we all can get away with this. I don't disagree with you one bit. But what I'm saying is, if if all the owners are saying this is what running backs are worth now, 
you don't want to be the one that says, exactly. I'm going to pay mine a lot of money. And I don't they're know paying Darius Leonard $15 million a year. He's been a league average player by any metric PFF since his rookie year. And they're paying him $16 million, way more than any middle linebacker, because a lot less people are going to go on, on these airwaves and say, what a dumb move, what a old-school dinosaur football move paying a middle linebacker. It's actually much, much worse than paying Jonathan Taylor $15 million a year by the numbers. Here's the name. You ready for the free agent running back name? Yes. I can't believe this guy's still available. Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt? That's the name. Like, get Kareem Hunt in there. He's 27 years old. Like, he, he's not a long-term answer probably, but mm-hmm. he's still a, a solid runner, I think, and a good receiver out of the backfield. Played. Last season in Cleveland. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. This is the backup. Yeah, I was thinking, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, sure. I mean, so, yeah, you're playing behind the best running back in the league damn near, Nick Chubb. So, you, <laughs> you, you, didn't get a, you didn't get on the field as much as you want. To me, that's just a year where they kind of saved his legs. So, I, I think Kareem Hunt could be a, a guy who can run like a, a starting caliber running back. So, if, if you're signing a guy like that, you say, okay, if Kareem Hunt can come in here and spell Jonathan Taylor, awesome. If Jonathan Taylor's sitting at home, doesn't want to play, and we're, we're in this contract dispute – Kareem Hunt's a guy I feel good about being the starting running back for the Colts. Why don't they, like, bring back Marlon Mack? That's another name. I, I, I could see that happening. Um, he's, you know, he was, he's been, he was in the organization for a long time, mm-hmm. obviously a lot different system. Uh, I don't know that Marlon – like, Marlon Mack had an Achilles tear a couple years ago. Mm. I don't know if he's ever been the same. Uh, the other the other free agent – You know who it's – it's probably going to wind up being, like, Kenyon Drake or something. I think <laughs> it's going to be whoever's on their team. They're, they're going to win six games anyway. Like, yeah. we talk about it all the time. Five teams are really trying to win. The it's other like ones the, are trying to save yeah. face with NFL analytics nerds talking about how running backs don't matter. And win whatever amount of games gives them a billion dollars at the end of the decade. It doesn't matter who's their running back. And Jim Ursay knows it. He's acting like it. All right. So, then Deion Jackson. Uh, we can put a bet on him is over yardage right now. Who's the other guy? Hall, I heard that. Evan Hall, yeah. 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 Evan Hall season. Then, then upon that's us. it. Deion Jackson from Duke with his one touchdown last season. He'll be uh, the lead back with Zach Moss out for four to six weeks. Well, elsewhere in the NFL, uh, Mike Sando of The Athletic released his quarterback rankings for 2023. It's an interesting article every single year to see where Sando, a respected guy in the industry, ranks his quarterbacks. Well, it's not just his ranking. It's like 50 guys around the league, head coaches, yes. offensive coordinators. It's his article. It's yeah. his piece. That's what I'm saying. Right, yes. Right, right. It, they uh, all, the, the deal is they get to stay anonymous, mm-hmm. and they give him their accurate feelings about all these players. Yeah, and basically what happens is they put quarterbacks into tiers. So there are tier one quarterbacks, tier two quarterbacks, all the way down to tier five quarterbacks. This year on Sando's list, there are five tier one quarterbacks in order. Patrick Mahomes, number one. Joe Burrow, number two. Josh Allen, number three. Aaron Rodgers, number four. And Justin Herbert, number five. You take any uh, umbrage with any of those? I don't think Rodgers is in the top five right now. I don't think so either. That's the only that's the only beef I had was that- I would replace Rodgers with Jalen Hurts. That's what I would do. I mean, what I mean, listen, we did our quarterback draft, right? And and I took Jalen Hurts second overall. I think Hurts is gonna be the MVP this year. Uh, but other results, like like let's look at our quarterback draft, right? And we had Mahomes went first, Jalen Hurts went second. Josh Allen went third, Joe Burrow went fourth, and Trevor Lawrence went fifth. Think about that. So we had three of the top five in the quarterback tier rankings in our draft. 
The only difference is Hertz, I took second, and Hertz is ranked sixth. And then RJ took Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence is ranked eighth, and he took him fourth. So that's just looking at our quarterback rankings based on our draft. So what we're saying is only one of us got two guys that were tier one. And that would be AJ with his Josh Allen and Justin Herbert. Uh, But this is interesting. You still got a tier one in Aaron Rodgers with your second pick. That's right. My second pick got a tier one quarterback. <laughs> but so if we look at the look at this tier one quarterbacks, and then I'm going to quickly read you just the top tier two quarterbacks: Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson, Trevor Lawrence, and then rounding out the top ten: Dak Prescott, Matthew Stafford, and there's more in tier two: Kirk Cousins, Deshaun Watson. But let's let's just cut those out for a second here. McKenzie, let's look at the MVP odds this year in the NFL. We'll start start at the top. Give me the number one favorite. I assume it's Patrick Mahomes. Who's the number one favorite to be the MVP? Correct, sir. Patrick Mahomes. Okay, so Patrick Mahomes, number one MVP odds. Okay. Number, number one, one on Sandoz. Number list. one in this consensus quarterback rankings. Yep. Makes sense. Who's the number two? Joe Burrow. Number Burrow. two. And no number two on this list. So we're, we have synergy here. Who's mm-hmm. number three? Josh Allen. Oh, three for three. Three for Josh three. Allen Josh third. Allen. Who's number four? This is where things get interesting. Jalen Hurts is the number four favorite for MVP. And, and Jalen Hurts six. is sixth on this quarterback list. All right, let's keep going down the list. Who's number five? Justin Herbert. And Justin Herbert is five on this five. list. Exactly there. Who's uh, sixth? Lamar Jackson. Number seven, by the way, Trevor Lawrence. Okay, And Lamar Jackson and is seven and eight on this one. So the only outlier here, in it's it's almost like the MVP odds are exactly what the consensus quarterback rankings are around the NFL, with the exception of Aaron Rodgers, who, according to the the voters, have him ranked consensus as number four in the NFL. This particular exercise has long given a lot of respect to Aaron Rodgers. If you go back to 2014, number one, 2015, number one, 16, 17, 18, 19, number one in all of those years. So a six-year run at number one, 2020, he was ranked third. Mm. Patrick Mahomes had come into the league. They said, ah, this kid's better. Well, that, uh, that, but, but that 20, makes a lot of sense. 2021, guess what? Back at the top, baby. Well, yeah, he won the MVP. 2022, number one again. Well, yeah, he won the MVP. So this is this fourth in their rankings is the lowest he's been in 10 years in the history in com- of the list. He's coming off a bad year. He's coming off one of his worst years. But you know what? He came off bad years before and was still number one. Yeah, but he, then he was back-to-back MVPs. So, you know, he was, he was the number one. Yeah. He won two MVPs in a row. Like, come on. <laughs> and he had a bad year last year. And now this year, he's reunited with the offensive coordinator who he won back-to-back MVPs with. Yeah. Who may have done one of the worst coaching jobs in history, by the way. Keep my coach's <laughs> name out your mouth. <laughs> I think you didn't say it at all like that. Yeah. Why are you saying it all black like that? Why? Because I'm doing the Will Smith. I know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it's really interesting, the whole top eight here and top eight of the MVP odds. So do we think, based on this quarterback consensus list, is there value on Aaron Rodgers to win the MVP? I, I feel like toolsy quarterbacks – especially from their throwing arm, just get overrated by, by these GMs. Like Sam Darnold was very high for a while. Uh, Josh Allen's higher than Joe Burrow, or at least he was last year. I don't know. I feel like the ranking might be wrong more than the MVP odds. That's interesting. Maybe, maybe the rankings are. Maybe the MVP odds are what they are. But Like I asked my uncle, Mike Shanahan, like five years ago, seven years ago, when I knew Tom Brady was the best but no one else did yet, like, who's the best quarterback? Aaron Rodgers, Andrew Luck. He, they can do everything. 
I'm like, what about Tom Brady? Oh, very good, very good. He does everything right. I'm like, I know, he's the best, right? He didn't agree. He didn't agree. Aaron Rodgers, Andrew Luck. Football love, guys, toolsy guys love that arm. I think because football so you guys. You think Herbert would be higher on this list then? It's pretty high. <laughs> but for, for a zero five, playoff yeah. win guy. Yeah, for a guy whose team doesn't win playoff <laughs> games. I think I think people look at those guys and like if you're if you spend your life as a coach like your uncle did and your your cousin has, I imagine those guys like dream if I could have a player yeah. that does this, this is what it would look like. And those guys see Josh Allen and Justin Herbert. Like you don't see, you don't look at Tom Brady, and I mean, you can look at Tom Brady's results in hindsight and go, obviously he's so great. Right. But like when you see him in in t-shirt and shorts early in camp, no one goes, oh my god, look what he can do with the football. Or checking down for a six-yard pass, people are like routine throw. Maybe if you do a thousand simulations, that was the very best result you could possibly have on that. Play. You see Mahomes, you see Allen, you see Herbert. You see their arm strength, and you see the speed that they have, and you're like, you start to think about all the different options that you've got, and you, in your world, those are the guys who you can make the most of. Like, if Tom Brady didn't exist, I wonder if Joe Burrow would be second on this list hmm. because he's not toolsy, and he was, you know, not not yeah, he didn't wasn't particularly great his rookie year, but he quickly became. I mean, he just kept winning. He literally never loses. He won like 15 games against the spread in a row. He quickly I, became like that's the guy. If it wasn't Mahomes, it'd be Burrow. It's funny. I still. This is one of the results. The, one of the dumbest takes I ever had uh, was on LSU football the year that they won the championship with Joe Burrow. Oh, I thought you were going to say when it was absurd that he was 14th. <laughs> no, that was a take. Of this you. was way dumber. Uh, LSU. I said LSU has everything you need to win a national championship except for a quarterback. Except they've got Joe Burrow playing quarterback. Well, I was he like, I failed at Ohio State and had to transfer out of there. He, he just was not yeah. a good player and he became Who not, beat him out at OSU? It was JT Barrett, right? JT Who? Barrett. Receiver? <laughs> JT Barrett was a number of guys. Like you got JT Barrett was in the quarterback room with uh, Cardell Jones, and then eventually well, Cardell De- Jones had that monster playoffs, and then became the starter. Yes, yeah. Dwayne Haskins, who ended up, you know, looking like he was going to be better than all of them. Uh, but it was thought at the time that Dwayne J- Haskins was a Heisman finalist. Yeah. yeah, it was thought that JT Barrett was didn't have like the the arm strength and stuff of all those other guys, but he was the guy who was the winner. Right. Uh, and then I t- feel like Tate Martell was the reason why Joe Burrow transferred. Tate Martell's another one. Literally, who are you talking about? Tate, like, so Tate Martell came in. Five star. This guy is the greatest one of the top, ever. One of the top quarterback recruits in the country. Flames out at Ohio State. Goes to Miami. Flames out at Miami. Yeah, but when he was comes at, to UNLV. When he when he <laughs> was at, when he went to Ohio State as a freshman, though, I feel like he kicked Joe Burrow out. Like it was Dwayne Haskins, and then Tate Martell was the backup, and Joe Burrow was like, "I'm out of here." I think that's probably what yeah. the writing on the wall was. But again, go back to Joe Burrow's first year at LSU. Joe Burrow wasn't good. At LSU his first year. Like, there was no indication. This is a guy who lost the job, like, could never get on the field at Ohio State, so he left. Comes to LSU, finally gets on the field, and if you were waiting to be wowed, you just weren't. There was no indication Joe Burrow was about to have the greatest college football season in history the next year. Like, it just didn't show. I believe he was not listed on the original Mel Copper's, like, 200-player mock draft. No, there's no way he could have been. Like, nobody looked at him as a pro prospect. Like, this was... Again, the 2019 season is like one of the most Ooh. shocking. I mean, it was incredible, but it was one of the most shocking revelations that this guy came from being like the guy I thought was going to keep them from winning a national championship to being the guy who made them one of the best teams of all time. Well, the scouts might not uh, look and see Joe Burrow when they picture their ideal quarterback, but they probably also don't see the most boring, hard knock speech like this one. Aaron, what do you got for us, man? 
Oh, I got nothing, man. I'm just happy to be out here, excited to be with you guys. All I'm going to say is this camp is a long camp, right? Let's just enjoy the little things every single day, right? Take time to laugh a little bit. Find a conversation at lunchtime with somebody new. Don't always sit with the same group. Get to know your teammates a little bit. Yeah, that's part of the leadership role. Just enjoy the little moments. Goes by fast, and you get to be really old and gray, and savoring every little moment. So savor them right now. Right? Cues on three. One, two, three. Cues. That's a teaser from Hard Knocks, which will debut. Yeah. How could I not watch the <laughs> next, show next week? Aaron Rodgers gave give gave the most boring speech, and that's not even a speech. It's like the team's huddling up, like they're ready to like break the the like the practice huddle, and whoever the coach is, might have been Nathaniel Hackett, was like, Aaron, hey, you, you got some words for these guys? He's like, yes, I got, I got words. nothing, man. This is not the worst coach in the history of the NFL. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a good family man. Does Aaron Rodgers speak with a southern accent? <laughs> where does All that come sudden. from? Yeah, where, it, no. I've noticed that lately. I noticed it when we played the cut yesterday of him talking about Hackett. Like, he's got he's got an accent where now. Been this, hanging out with Brian Kelly. It's, I was going to say, Brian Kelly gets to LSU. Hey, guys, we're, we're, down, family. Here. we're down here excited. He's like, got this twang. Like, let's listen to Aaron Rodgers again. He's got this, like, twang. Oh, I got nothing, man. I'm just happy to be out here. Excited to be with you guys. He sounds like fucking Hank Hill. <laughs> like, <laughs> I got another boom hour. I got another man. I got nothing going on out here for me. Like, what? This he's from Northern California and he's lived in Wisconsin. Like, what are we doing here? If he didn't give back thirty-five million so his team would be more competitive, he'd be the least popular guy in the NFL. But he did that. So the training camp's long, so you know, just uh save every moment. Yeah, very know. odd. Just sit with sit with, sit, with, sit with someone different at lunch. You know, meet somebody. <laughs> One more great advice, Aaron. <laughs> One more quarterback discussion I wanted to have, McKenzie. Who's the favorite? Right now, to lead the league in passing yards, I might have a little take on this. Patrick Mahomes is one. Justin Herbert, who's fifth for MVP, is second favorite to lead the league. What's the number on Justin Herbert to lead that? Plus six fifty. I like that a lot, and sure. here's why. Patrick, I mean, listen, Patrick Mahomes. Kellen Moore, baby. Patrick Mahomes a lot better player than Justin Herbert. Let's just start with Kellen Moore offense is going to open up. It is, but when you look at the weapons, right? Yeah, and you look at. Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, and then they added Quentin Johnston, who's like a, a blow-the-top-off deep threat guy, and Austin Eckler and Gerald Everett. You've just got weapons out the wazoo. And then you look at what they've got going on in Kansas City. Travis Kelsey's still there. That's awesome. I don't know if Isaiah Pacheco's good or not. I know he was good last year. You know how many running backs I've seen be good for one year and then never heard from again? Lots. But if Pacheco was terrible, wouldn't that increase our expectations for Mahomes no, passing? No, here? you're right. Yeah. But Sky Moore, Kadarius Tony, yeah, they got nobodies. Marquez Valdez Scantling, like those guys would be the fourth or fifth. Re- the best of those guys would be the fourth receiver for the Chargers. I, it just feels like what's what's the number on Mahomes? Mahomes is wow, only three to one. Justin Herbert pays out twice as much. It doesn't make any sense I to agree me. With that. So a, a guy, and I know he's got a new offensive coordinator. I think it's going to be an upgrade. I think the only thing it can be is an upgrade. Uh, so I, I like Justin Herbert at plus six fifty to lead the league in passing. Well, one other training camp note I want to mention. Um, this was from the other day. Jalen Hyatt's going to be a, an issue. The Giants have a real gem in this kid. Jalen Hyatt during Giants training camp was clocked running 24 miles per hour. The fastest speed in the NFL. What is he, a lion? Tyreek Hill recorded at 23.2 miles per hour. Wow. Jalen Hyatt in training camp. Did he have pads on? Yes. Well, shorts, but he had his you know shoulder pads. Still, a record's a record. Was clocked faster than Tyreek Hill. Wow. 
faster than anyone's ever been clocked. Usain Bolt during a game was clocked at 27.8 at his top speed. The Giants, there's been reports that he is burning the secondary of the Giants. Now, what does it say about the Giants secondary? But still, that he is going to be a problem. Get the football in this kid's hands and watch him run. Because the Giants might have the next incarnation of Tyreek Hill on their team in Jalen Hyatt. Yeah, and he, what I remember from college is a guy who uh, doesn't always get out, get off the line all that well, and he's going to be very limited in what kind of routes he can run. It's almost to me like a a Randy Moss. Like, Mm. it slants and goes, but he's going to be really good at those. Oh, oh, by the way, the Giants GPS tracking technology that they, like, put in the the pads or whatever to to track these guys – that 24 miles per hour that he's reached, according to reports, he's done it a few times. <laughs> this, is, this wasn't just on one play where he ran down the field and they were like, damn, he's fast. It's like on a couple of plays, they've seen him at 24 miles per the hour. The problem is they need a quarterback who can take advantage of that. Is Daniel Jones the type of guy who's going to like pop the top off a of defense? Like this, this seems like a guy that'd be it'd be a great fit if he had Patrick Mahomes. I'm running a wide receiver screen, just getting the ball <laughs> into his hands, throwing the ball three yards, and just letting him run. Fair enough. This isn't exactly breaking news, but we wanted to talk about this with McKenzie Rivers, our NBA expert. And the NBA sent out a memo, uh, basically saying that um, you got to be careful how you talk to these teams if you're an agent or a player. And basically, Dame Lillard's agent has been telling other teams, don't bother trading for my guy because he's not gonna, he doesn't want to play for you. Yeah, it's old hat. Not only is it yesterday's news, it's literally a year ago's news or five years <laughs> ago's news. I'll give credit to Pablo Torre, even though I don't like Harvard very much. But he had the right <laughs> take. The NBA doesn't want you to say the quiet part out loud. We know we can't do anything about tampering. We know we can't do anything about, hey, I want to play for the Heat. I don't want to play for anyone else. That's my feeling. I mean, you can't legislate my, that feeling and if I'm communicating it in private channels or public channels it doesn't really make a difference but they're doing it too public Aaron Goodwin making that report calling those teams making it public it, it's a bad look for the NBA because technically it's against the rules although every team has a situation like this one way or another good stuff Mac uh, might do a little bit more of that on the dream pod we're gonna have a lot of stuff on the dream pod coming up um Later tonight, we're recording, so that'll be out tomorrow morning with a big pod on R.J. Bell's Dream Preview feed. Maybe we'll get into a little college football, A.J. We have to keep doing our conference previews. ACC, baby. The ACK. Um, and then we're literally, we're close to having super conferences. That's it. Like, next year, we're probably going to have just a couple of super conferences and that. It's that that's it. Something to think about for the ACC this year, no more divisions. It's one big conference, so uh, which is kind of fun. I, I like it where the top two teams play. Yeah, it'd be nice if the uh, the SEC and the in the Big Ten would go to that. They're mm-hmm. not going to, but for these lesser conferences, it's kind of nice just to know that it doesn't matter which side of the division you're on. The two best teams are probably going to play in the championship. Isn't game. the Big Ten doing something where the Michigan and Ohio State could play in the championship game? Maybe in a future date. Maybe I misheard. Uh, maybe in the future. I don't okay. know how they're going to realign when USC and UCLA join. Because that's the dream. I mean, that's the biggest ticket every year. But I think I don't know if they want to take away the opportunity of those. Those two teams to play each other every year like if you want to right. guarantee they'll play each other right, right, right. and now adding in usc to the west if they if they were to join the west you would assume now it's like oh we could see ohio state usc that's yeah. a big enough that's a yeah. big enough ticket for the the big 10 and i don't know what's gonna happen arizona had like a meeting yesterday they're probably gonna leave the pac-12 like the college football is just it's what, a mess. what we need is 
we need it to be centrally governed. We need to take the power away from the conferences. Like if the NCAA had power. Well, no, no, we just <laughs> if only. We need to just appoint a college football commissioner to oversee college football. We need to take the power away from these conference commissioners and we need to just centralize everything. That's the way you have to do it. And if it means having super conferences, have four super conferences, fine. North, south, east, west, boom, get it done. Whatever you got to do, uh, that's the only way that I think college football survives in the modern era uh, or else, you know, it's just it, it's it's going to continue to be the Wild West, which it is right now. Plenty more of that coming up on R.J. Bell's dream preview for later tonight into tomorrow morning. For now, head to pregame.com and take advantage of a variety of discounted packages available for you and season long subscription packages. You can get a combo NFL and the college football package from your favorite handicapper. AJ and I have a combo package with Steve Fezzik going on right now where you can get both AJ and I's college picks and Fezzik's NFL picks. That's a steal. And you know what else is a steal? Taking 20% off of that. Use the promo code FAME20, F-A-M-E-20, FAME20. We'll get you 20% off. The Hall of Fame game is coming up on Thursday. FAME20 gets you 20% off your purchase at pregame.com. From Mackenzie Rivers and A.J. Hoffman, I'm Scott Seidenberg. We are straight out of Vegas AM.